Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How are we on this fine afternoon? We come to you live from the Blackrock College Broadcasting Centre. Today I'm joined by Jack Brady and Finn Morrison, and my name is Luke McDermott. In today's show, we shall be bringing you through the wild and wonderful world of conspiracy theories and urban legends. Now I can assure you that this show will dive deep into the murky, into the depths of these murky stories, and we'll leave it up to you to, to decide what you believe. Now first up, we're going across the pond to sunny old Scotland for good old Loch Ness. The Loch Ness Monster is one of Scotland's oldest and most enduring myths. It inspires books, TV shows and films, and sustains major tourism industry around its home. The legend gained popularity in the 1930s when the Inverness Courier reported the first modern sighting of Nessie. In 1933, the newspaper Fort Augustus correspondent Alec Campbell reported the sighting by Aldi Mackay of what she believed to be Nessie. Mr. Campbell's report described a whale-like creature and the loch's water cascading and churning. The editor at the time, Evan Barron, suggested the beast be described as a monster, kickstarting the modern myth of the Loch Ness Monster. Gary Campbell, keeper of a register of Nessie sightings, receives on average 10 reports a year of something unexplained being spotted in the loch's water. Given that more than 400,000 people visit the Loch Ness every year, Mr. Campbell said seeing something was pretty rare. But he has long believed that eventually science will reveal a cause for the sightings. After the April 1933 sighting was reported in the newspaper on May 2nd, interest steadily grew, especially after another couple claimed to have seen the animal on land. Investigators have for decades kept an almost constant watch, and in the 1960s several British universities launched sonar expeditions to the lake. Nothing conclusive was found but in each expedition, the sonar operator detected some type of large moving underwater objects. In 1975, another expedition combined sonar and underwater photography in Loch Ness. A photo resulted that after enhancement appeared to show what vaguely resembled the giant flipper of an aquatic animal. Further sonar expeditions in the 1980s and 1990s resulted in more inconclusive readings. Revelations in 1994 that the famous 1934 photo was a complete hoax, was, has only slightly lessened the enthusiasm of tourists and investigators for the legendary beast of Loch Ness. I mean, talk about an earworm. How did they manage to keep that tale going for so long? That's a lot of dedication to one far-fetched monster theory. You have to respect them for keeping the faith after such a long time. Well, well guys, now on to the biggest part of our show. We are going to be taking a peek behind the curtain of Area 51 and extraterrestrials. Are we alone? Have alien spacecraft been buzzing across Earth's skies? Our world leaders are attempting to cover up alien technology? Now those are the questions being asked in the US government's new report on unexplained aerial phenomena. It's preferred term for what many of us may call UFOs. So far, it looks like the answers in the report will leave spotters and conspiracy theorists unsatisfied. US analysts examined the footage from Navy planes and they say the records don't really point towards alien technology, but they also say they can't uh, explain the phenomena. One of the report's substantial conclusions is that the craft encountered was not created by classified programs run by the US government or the Pentagon. Now those findings agree with statements made by Luis Elizondo, the former leader of the Pentagon's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. In the footage, the pilots struggle to explain what they were seeing, as an object on their sensors, sensors maintained at a very high speed and then for no apparent reason, it rotated. Look at that thing, one pilot exclaimed. 
Earlier, the same pilot remarked that they might be seeing some type of drone. They thought there was a whole fleet of them. Discussing that footage in an interview, Elizondo confessed that he didn't really know the origin of the craft. Unless you're asking my personal opinion. Look, I've got to be honest with you. I don't know where it's from, but we're pretty sure it's not here, Elizondo said. Now does that mean it's out there? Whether or not it's Russian or Chinese inside, or a little green man from Nars, or frankly your neighbor's dog, I can't tell you. He said that in an interview with a public news source. Interesting the idea that alien beings might be visiting Earth from off-planet has skyrocketed in recent years, particularly after the Pentagon verified that several videos showing what looked to be objects moving at incredible speeds with remarkable agility had indeed come from US sources. In 2017, news of the existence of a secretive program that was established to examine sightings of unexplained aircraft and phenomena ignited public interest. It also brought legitimacy and definition to an area of research that for decades was just defined by tinfoil hats and speculation. In April of 2020, the Department of Defense officially released footage from the Navy fighter pilots onboard cameras. They said that they were releasing that to clear up misconceptions and misinformation about what had been happening. Now, now people, we will be turning our eyes to Area 51. Many of you may remember the Area 51 craze that happened just a few years ago when rumours started circulating around the internet. People across the world started talking about how they would storm Area 51 in September of that year. The internet was completely taken over by this trend. But when it actually came to the day that people were meant to storm the military base, the numbers who were there were much less than that, than that had been expected. And it seemed as though this idea was just an overhyped joke. Another reason for people believing in Area 51 is the alleged former engineer Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar claims to have been an engineer at Area 51 in the 1980s. He claims he was hired to reverse engineer extraterrestrial technology. He says that he examined things like an antimatter reactor that was powered by a whole new element that was never discovered. It's important to note he has no evidence to support his claims and he has been arrested on multiple occasions for various offences. But nevertheless, his claims have caused thousands of people around the world to wonder exactly what the US government is hiding. Remember, it's not just a mysterious military training compound. Area 51 is also a place devoted to tactical air maneuvers and counterintelligence, and is right next to a nuclear testing site. What kinds of things commonly get mistaken for UFOs? Stealth bombers and drones, military weapon tests and training exercises, and all that weird classified air stuff. And what does Area 51 have a lot of? All of the above. It seems as though a lot of Americans believe in extraterrestrials and that a third of US adults agreed with the idea that some UFOs have been alien spacecraft, visiting Earth from other planets, galaxies, wherever. Now speculation about extraterrestrial beings coming to Earth and potentially colonizing our planet, as we have done to each other for thousands of years, has been just rocket fuel for movies and novels. But fiction or not, the military has been interested by the idea. America's fixation with UFOs has its roots in July 1947. Now, according to UFO enthusiasts, that's when the Air Force allegedly recovered an alien spacecraft. The UFO craze began that summer, as, spe as speculation about the incident grew. Then, the Army went and made the craze even bigger, when they went searching for former Third Reich aerospace designers who were said to have created a flying disc. Now, that same year, the Air Force started a program to investigate UFO sightings. This was called Project Blue Book. Over the next two decades, 12,000 sightings were reported to the project. 
Now I could go on for hours about the various sightings and speculation about Area 51 and extraterrestrials, but I simply don't have enough time. The question still remains though, the question people have been wondering about for decades. Are we truly alone? Now for the next part of our show, we're going all the way back to the 60s. It's now been nearly four decades since Neil Armstrong took his giant leap for mankind. If that is, he ever set foot off this planet, doubters say the US government, desperate to beat the Russians in the space race, faked the lunar landings with Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, acting out their mission on a secret film set, located, depending on the theory, either high in the Hollywood Hills or deep within Area 51. With the photos and videos of the Apollo missions only available through NASA, there's no independent verification that the lunar landings were anything but a hoax. What theorists say is the telltale sign of it being faked is a video of Aldrin planting a waving American flag on the moon, which tr critics uh, say prove that he was not in space. The flag's movement, they say, clearly shows the presence of wind, which is impossible in a vacuum. NASA says Aldrin was twisting the flagpole to get the moon soil, which caused the flag to move. And never mind that astronauts have brought back uh, hundreds of verified moon rocks. Theorists have even suggested that filmmaker Stanley Kubrick may have helped NASA fake the first moon landing, given that his 1968 film, 2001, A Space Odyssey, proves that the technology existed back then to artificially create a space-like set. Although this theory has been proven wrong many times, and there are still theorists around the world that believe in this story, that one has always interested me, purely because of the stretches that members have taken it to. It really shows the distrust that people have for the governments. Now for possibly the oldest theory that we will be looking at today, the Flat Earth. Members of the Flat Earth Society claim to believe the Earth is flat. Walking around on the Earth's surface, it looks and feels flat. So they deem all evidence to the contrary, such as satellite photos of Earth as a sphere, to be fabrications of a round Earth conspiracy orchestrated by NASA and other government agencies. The belief that the Earth is flat has been described as the ultimate conspiracy theory. According to the Flat Earth Society's leadership, its ranks uh, have grown by 200 people, mostly Americans and Brits, per year since 2009. Judging by the exhaustive effort Flat Earthers have invested in fleshing out the theory on their website, as well as the staunch uh, defenses of their views they offer in media interviewers, and on Twitter. These people genuinely believe the Earth is flat. First a, uh, first a brief tour of the worldview of a flat earther, while riding off buckets of concrete evidence that Earth is spherical, they accept dozens of theories about our planet that are simply not true. The leading flat earther's theory uh, holds that Earth is a disk with the Arctic Circle in the center and Antarctica, a 150 foot tall wall of ice around the rim. NASA employees, they say, guard this ice wall to prevent people from climbing over and falling off the disk. As for what lies underneath the disk of the Earth, this is unknown, but most flat earthers believe it is composed of rocks. Then there's the conspiracy theory, flat earthers believe photos of the globe are photoshopped. GPS devices are rigged to make airplane pilots think they are flying in straight lines around a sphere when they are actually flying in circles above a disk. The motive for world government's concealment of the true shape of the Earth has not been decided, but flat earthers believe it is probably financial. 
In a nutshell, it would logistic it would logically cost much less to fake a space program than to actually have one. So those in on the conspiracy profit from the funding NASA and other space agencies receive from the government. Although buckets of evidence have been provided to disprove the theory, it seems as though no matter how much time passes, people are determined to believe in a flat earth. Now we move on to possibly the weirdest segment of today's show. We're going to be taking a look at how the world may be secretly under the control of scaly, slimy reptilians. They are among us, blood-drinking, flesh-eating, shape-shifting, extraterrestrial, reptilian humanoids, with only one objective in their cold-blooded little heads, to enslave the human race. They are our leaders, our corporate executives, our beloved Oscar-winning actors and Grammy-winning singers, and they're responsible for most of the major tragedies in the past hundred years. All this is coming from former BBC sports reporter David Icke, who became the poster child for the theory in 1998. The conspiracy theorist and New Age philosopher says these reptiles have controlled mankind since ancient times. They have taken Queen Elizabeth, George W. Bush, Bill and Hillary Clinton and Bob Hope, just to name a few. Encroaching on other conspiracy theorist territory, Icke even claims that the leaders are behind secret societies like the Freemasons and the Illuminati. Since turning the title of Paranoid of the Decade in the late 1990s, he is still spreading the word of the theory. I would also be remiss not to mention that Ike has, had, has said some fairly prejudiced comments. Now there is no real way to tell whether or not the lizards are living among us. Our, us. us simple humans can only speculate on if they are plotting our doom before our very eyes, but I think that at least for now we shall be fairly reptile free. Now that one will never cease to amaze me. How it has grown from the ramblings of a former football legend to an online conspiracy. And now we move on to the finale of our show. We're going to bring you lovely listeners to the world of Bigfoot. This elusive, possibly fictitious animal goes by a number of different names. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, and for centuries people across North America have had sightings. Many Native American cultures have written oral legends to tell of a primate creature roaming the continent's forest. In these tales, the animals are sometimes more human-like and other times more ape-like. In the mythology of the Native American tribe that once heavily populated the western coast of British Columbia, Chisinauqua, which was their name for Bigfoot, is a big, hairy female that lives deep in the mountainous forests. Sixty years ago, Bigfoot first stepped into the public consciousness. Giant Footprints Puzzle Residence was a headline in the Humboldt Times. The small Northern California newspaper reported that a road construction crew had discovered human-like footprints that were a massive 16 inches long. The paper was first to give the mysterious animal that made the prints its memorable name, Bigfoot, and the creature has been stomping through the American imagination ever since. Today, the legendary beast seems to be everywhere. Animal Planet recently aired the finale of its popular series, Finding Bigfoot, which lasted 11 seasons despite never making good on the... Okay, um, Animal Planet recently aired the finale of its popular series, Finding Big- Bigfoot, which lasted 11 seasons despite never making good on the promise of its title. And the Bigfoot field researchers organ- and the Bigfoot field researchers organization lists at least one report from every U.S. state, except Hawaii, over the past two decades. The most recent sighting in June 2018 was by a woman in Florida who reported a creature that looked like a large pile of soggy grass. 
Other evidence in the database includes supposed Bigfoot nests and noises. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, it may not make a sound. But it seems someone will report that Bigfoot knocked it over. Legends of colossal ape-like animals can be found all throughout the globe. Bigfoot has, Bigfoot has been the American interpretation of this since the 1950s. The FBI received approximately 15 hairs attached to a tiny piece of skin from the director Peter Byrne of the Bigfoot Information Center and Exhibition in Oregon. Byrne wrote that they couldn't figure out what kind of animal it was from and they were hoping the FBI could look into it. He also wanted to know if the FBI had previously examined alleged Bigfoot hair and if so what the results were. The FBI discovered that the hair did not belong to Bigfoot, which is unsurprising. He sent the hair to Byrne in 1977 along with his scientific conclusion the hairs are of deer family origin. I get I guess that this is just the one of those site oh my god. I guess that this is just one of those things that people are never going to let go of. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a discussion section. Here, I've brought on a random student from our year, Finn Toon, and we have asked him here today to talk about some of his favorite conspiracy theories. Speak ahead, Finn. All right, so one of my favorite theories is that Denver Airport is the headquarters of the Illuminati. So a lot of people think that um, the airport has the Illuminati hidden inside of it because there's large parts of the airport that are unmarked on the floor plans, and there's a lot of areas underground that are also unmarked and apparent. Um, there's a lot of weird messages around the airport. We are watching is found a lot in the airport. A lot of people have gone missing in the airport as well. They were found later, but um, a lot of bags go missing as well with things inside of them that disappear. Um, the airport, when it was built, was in a lot of debt, and it was completed with anonymous donations which people think are the Illuminati uh, funding it to build their headquarters. And as well as that, a time capsule was buried in the airport in 1999 with the symbol of the Freemasons on it who are linked to the Illuminati. Um, another theory that I like is that Prince Charles is a vampire. Um, he's fascinated by Transylvania and Romania, uh, says the royal family. He's related to Vlad the Impaler, who is uh, Count Dracula. He also has a disease that... Vlad the Impaler had that makes him sensitive to sunlight and he needs extra iron which is basically what a vampire is. God, those are some pretty crazy theories. Don't about the airport. I think I've heard that one before but um, we're into that. Have you got any more other you'd like to discuss? Yeah, so there's another theory that's actually very popular. That Paul McCartney is dead. Um, I know that uh, another one of the Beatles members has died before but um uh, there's another theory that Paul McCartney is also dead. Uh, according to this theory, Paul McCartney died in 1966 during the height of the band's fame, and the other three members had to cover it up so that they wouldn't go out of business. Um, and Beatle Maniacs, which is Beatle Super Vans, uh, point to a lot of clues in the band's later albums as proof of this. Um, the Sergeant Lonely, sorry, the Sergeant Pepper Lonely Hearts. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts. Yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> The Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club, um, they say, is full of lyrics that hint at Paul McCartney's death. According to um, the fans, in the background of a lot of, of a lot of the songs in the album is Paul McCartney dead. Um, he blew his mind out in a car and uh, whispered in the background, Paul is dead. I miss him. I miss him. I miss him. Um, as well as that, at the end of the song Strawberry Fields Forever, Lennon mumbles in reverse, I buried Paul. 
although he later denies this and says that he was mumbling cranberry sauce. The original cover um, for the Abbey Road album um, is John Lennon leading a funeral. He's dressed in white. Uh, Ringo follows him in black as a mourner and George in jeans. He's a grave digger. But Paul McCartney is walking out of step with them. He's barefoot and is wearing ragged clothes. And people are saying that this is him in the afterlife and that you wouldn't need shoes in the afterlife. God, Finn, pal, I think you've gone a bit off the deep end. Those are some, some pretty far stretches, but who am I to say what you believe in? Okay, guys, we have a breaking news story just at the end of our show now. This is coming from an independent news source, Henry Grant, one of our fellow fourth-year students. What do you have to say, Henry? No, I, won't. I know you won't believe me. I, I didn't believe my eyes at first when I saw this, too. But I walked in to the dean's office, right, and the handle it was slimy, but I just thought maybe the cleaners forgot to wipe it off. So I go in, right, and I see a tail poking out of Mr. O'Neill's desk. And then I see Mr. O'Neill shedding off his green skin. And then out of Mr. O'Neill's skin appears a lizard, right? This lizard, it just crawls around on his desk, right? And I'm not sure if Mr. O'Neill is a lizard or if a lizard was inside Mr. O'Neill. Regardless, I just walked out of Mr. O'Neill's office to join you in the VCR room just to tell you about this breaking news. Well, guys, I, I'm going to start crying now because our very own fourth-year dean, Mr. O'Neill, has been taken over by the lizards. I guess this it was, it was one lizard, sir. This theory has it been proven right. Uh, Henry, I'm sorry for what you had to see, but we have to bring this to the public. This is first from the BlackRock Broadcasting Centre you are hearing. Mr. O'Neill is a lizard. Wow, well, that was some shocking news coming right here live. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to say, brings us to the end of our show. From me to you, I hope you enjoyed hearing about the wonderful world of conspiracies and legends. It has been our pleasure to bring this to you. I hope you have a spectacular rest of your day. But heed this warning. You never know what may be hiding before your eyes. Just like we never knew Mr. O'Neill was a lizard. I mean, just keep an eye out, would you? Goodbye. And I'm sorry, but we have to end this because we are worried that Mr. O'Neill will come in here and chase us. So I'm very sorry, but this show has to end. Goodbye, and thank you for listening.